guys. This is Afro Lead, the podcast. As you know, Afro Leads consists of two sisters, myself, Steph, and my sister, Julie. And we are on a mission to promote black business and culture in the UK. At present, we have multiple social media platforms, Instagram being the main one, where we post positive features and posts about black business, groups, communities, celebrities, music, and so much more. Today, we are welcomed by Mr. Samuel Mensa, CEO of Uncle John's Bakery, the number one Ghanaian bakery in the UK. The company was established over 25 years ago by Samuel's parents, John and Amelia. It was created out of the necessity of not being able to find decent substitutes for bread and other baked goods when they emigrated to the UK in 1982. The brand carries the legacy and family recipes of both Samuel's grandmothers. Prior to having their own premises, the Mensas hired out space in a local bakery to make their produce by night and then deliver it by day. Their quality Ghanaian baked and associated goods can be found all over the UK, including major retailers such as Morrison's. They also export internationally because Ghanaians and Afro-Caribbeans in Europe have been calling. If that's not enough, Samuel and two other entrepreneurial friends have launched the End Goal podcast in May this year, delving into pertinent business topics such as how to navigate the effects of the pandemic as well as tackling the world of business from a Black perspective. A really interesting and informative listen. So welcome. We are so looking forward to finding more about you, Samuel. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. It's always good to hear... um you know the backstory of everything I guess you know when you're when you're working through things you don't really get a chance to always hear everything that's kind of gone on and you know I'm aware of it but because I've moved at such a fast pace just to hear it back is a nice thing it is a nice yeah, thing. But yeah thank you for having me on the podcast it's a, it's a, it's an honor to be on this podcast with you guys so yeah look oh, forward to, to discussing everything yeah the honor is absolutely ours so thank you so much for joining us we have been planning and prepping and doing lots of research but we basically just want to get stuck in and just get to know you and get to know more about the brand etc so without further ado one of the main things that my sister and I were really really sort of um, inspired about was the story of the business and the roots of everything but before we delve really into there can you tell us a little bit about your background so were you born in the UK where did you grow up have you got any siblings I was born in the UK, so I was I was born in the 80s. Not going to give away my age. <laughs> oh, solid, solid decade. Where, where yeah, 80s, where 80s, 80s, don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, no, the 80s, 80s was a good time. I mean, you know, as, as a youngster, like I think just growing up, we was exposed to to a lot in terms of growth, in terms of black people in the UK. It's where the first generation. So going to school and just kind of experiencing things there was was quite interesting. And for my parents as well, it, it was a very interesting stage in their life as well because they're trying to sustain a living and a future in a country where they know pretty much nothing about um so yeah i grew up in the 80s so i grew up in london i'm in an area called hackney and yeah it was quite a tough area at the time this come with a lot of like negative connotation from it from over the past but i think as time has gone on there's been a lot of inspiring people that have come from from the area you know and it's it's just because the area has got a certain stereotype attached to it or negative you know council block life attached to it it doesn't mean that people can't come out and and do something better for themselves and greater for themselves so yeah so I was born in the 80s I've got two brothers and a sister so I'm the oldest of the four and yeah my siblings they also play a part in the business as well they come in now and again they come in and they they do their part um, as, as to their capacity and best as possible and yeah I think my journey has just been just non-stop just growth I came through doing you know, the whole school system. So I did, I went to college, I went to university, graduated with a 2-1. I did that in media technology. So for me, a creativity has always been something that has always kind of been part of my backbone. 
from growing up. Um, I've always been interested in in music, so I, I was in the music industry for for some time. And I think my journey through that kind of taught me a lot in terms of growth, in terms of how to communicate with people, in terms of how to build a brand for myself, um, and how to put that on a platform to 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 go out to the masses. So yeah, fast forward until when I kind of got involved in the family business, I I would say probably 2015, I decided to take the lead and, you know, take a step away from music, which was probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to do in terms of, you know, for myself. And I was at a point where career-wise, I was doing like fairly well, I'd say. I was picking up a lot of momentum. I'd just come off the back of doing a headline show. I'd done stuff with mobiles. I'd done stuff with Radio One. So for me, it was like, you know, this is the time to continue building and mm-hmm. keep the momentum and keep the consistency. But I think one of the biggest things for me was the journey of taking on the parent, my parents' business was that this is much more bigger than myself. So that's that's what made, what drove me to basically, you know, just, yeah, take a step aside from music. I think it will always be a passion of mine. There's always something that's within me, but the journey for the business was far greater and it's far greater than you know, seeing just the products on the shelves, there is much more to it and much more behind it in terms of, you know, ownership, in terms of building a legacy that generations can see and can aspire to as well. Um, And not to put so much pressure on myself in terms of like trying to be a role model as per se for society. But I think just to kind of show a different way, because I've experienced, you know, the industry of music and I've experienced the industry of sports as well. And you know, especially for, for Black people, that that's always the narrative that we always hear. And there is so many successful musicians, so many successful sports people, and there are successful business business leaders as well, but we don't really get a chance to see them. Um, so it's always good to show a diverse avenue of, you know, how people can aspire to, to greatness. Yeah, man, I love all of that. I think you've touched upon so many nuggets of gold there. First and foremost, we're one of four as well. We'll make these babies as well. Julie's the eldest of the all four of us. So you know I always feel for the eldest as well because there's a lot of pressure, especially within yeah. sort of, you know, this isn't a stereotype, but Ghanaian families, the, the first born has to carve the way for the others that follow, you know. So yeah, um yeah. I don't know whether it was the same for you and your your family. All us firstborns, I definitely have have, have got a <laughs> interesting conversation to have about how the tough upbringing and and the and the pressures. There is a lot of there is a lot of pressure, but you know everything happens for a reason. There's a reason why you were born to be the first mm-hmm. um, and take that kind of lead. And you know there is always a blessing in adversity. So yeah, and just 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 looking at yeah, just yeah, just being a firstborn is 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 interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. <laughs> I'm really touched by that, actually, Steph. I've never heard you articulate that. So thank you for acknowledging that. But then in some ways, I think sometimes there's that weight of expectation, but then it, it's there. So you you either accept it or you don't. But I don't know. Mm. Um, as you say, it, it's there, there are, but then there are challenges, I think, whatever position in the family, you know, you, you have. Well, I'll tell you now, coming as a second, it's hard to live up to when you're first, when the, when the first <laughs> ball is smashing it. It's a nightmare. <laughs> But you mentioned also the, the element of ownership and legacy and leadership. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's something that I think having the, the luxury of this podcast, the platform, we get to see absolute mm-hmm. heroes within our community that otherwise we wouldn't have really, well, we would have seen them, but we wouldn't really be able to have the opportunity to delve deep and to learn mm-hmm. and to put, you know, the black excellence and highlight them to the masses, really, or, the, or to the followers and listeners. So it's, I, I love the fact that you, as 
somebody who is living that dream. You are, you're a business owner, you're the CEO, you ha- you're creating your legacy. You sort of take that on board and it's not just kind of something that you just kind of roll with. It's something that's really conscious about what you're doing on a day to day. So I think that's really great to hear from somebody who's watching people like yourself smash it. And I've got a couple of questions from what, leading on from what you've said. So because yeah. I have tried to find you, what was your artist name or what is your artist name? Because still... <laughs> when I put she's something so like nosy, said, there's lo- well, I just would like to know. <laughs> Do you know what's funny? A lot of people have been trying to look for, because now, because now I've been kind of stepping forward with the business and you yeah. know just doing a lot of talks and stuff. So people, are, when I share my story, people are like, okay, so what, what, what was your musician name? What yeah. music was you doing? Like, and it's not that I'm, I'm disconnected from it, but yeah, I think for me, it's not. I'm not. It's I don't mind sharing it and stuff like that. I think because I've been separate from it for such a while, it's just funny to kind of talk about it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so my artist name was Exploder basically, and and that name just derived from my. In reality, I'm quite laid back, I'm quite chilled, but with music, my approach was very. I was much more outspoken. I was much more vocal in terms of what I wanted to say and how I wanted to be. So it was almost like my alter ego in a way, mm-hmm. internally and just kind of like expressed on an actual surface level. So that's where the kind of the name came from. Oh, I love it. Thank you. And um, you. In mentioning you um, making a decision to focus on your family business, yeah, do you feel that, that was that something that you wanted to do, or did you feel that you had to do it? I think there's a very thin line with it. When I was younger, just looking at my parents and having their having a business, it was not something that I really wanted to get involved in, to be honest, because I had my own path set as well, what I thought, and I had my own kind of way that I saw I wanted to lead life and what I I viewed as you know my end goal. And um, it wasn't really to get involved in the business. I think also when you're younger as well, when your parents have a business, for me anyway, in terms of experience, I, I just thought it wasn't as as cool. Like I just wanted to have do something different. But as I got older, I just kind of realised more that it's not about what people think or what about what people say or, or what they see. It's about what is your kind of divine purpose. And, and um, that growth in mindset within me kind of just transcended in so many different areas of my life so yeah my mum always used to prod me she prodded me for about for years you know uh you know you should come and come and help a little bit and you should come and help me just and you know there's a lot of hard work here for me and you know it I almost not felt not too sorry but I always wanted to kind of like you know step in and help and maybe find a system just to make it easier which was which was something that um I was quite good at doing and then I think I also worked outside of the business also. So I had the experience of being in the actual real world, of being in retail, of being in the office and seeing how things work in that capacity as well. So I, the knowledge that I had of that also was combining with, you know, helping my parents with the business because there's a lot of things that was overlooked. And, you know, I'm always transparent as possible with the journey. It's not, it's, it's not it's not perfect from the get-go there's no for me there's no such thing as perfection anyway mm. it's always perception people are going to see things the way that they see it um that is right for them it doesn't mean that they're right or wrong in a certain capacity but at the same time it's just that perception of things so yeah I, I guess it took me a while but my mum did prod and prod and prod <laughs> until I think I just kind of <laughs> gave in <laughs> Ghanaian mums they've got a way they know they know their children and they know how to to, uh, get the desired results 
Um, but yeah. I love it. So can you recall your parents starting up the business? Like, were you really aware? And yeah, I, I can actually. And were they doing it as alongside other employment? You know, especially when you read yeah, about so, using the other bakery at nights and everything. It must have been really tough. Mm. Yeah, so I do remember, I think at the time, my dad was doing a minicab, actually. And my mum was also, she was looking after me. She was also into buying and selling. So she was used to buy buy stuff, go abroad, buy things, bring it back, sell it. So she was doing that as well. So that was kind of helping and sustaining the household at the time. But I do remember, I do remember going to, you know, the first place where it was baking from. And I actually remember it was, I think it was even around, I think it was maybe early 90s when I think it was like, I remember it specifically was like Italy versus Brazil in the World Cup. Okay. And I remember watching it, watching it inside the bakery. And I was there with my dad. Um, and that was, he was making the bread and stuff like that. And I was just, I was just there kind of like helping out. And I was young. I was, I was really, really young then. Um, but yeah, I do remember the, the early, early stages and then moving from there onto, you know, acquiring our kind of own space to kind of build from and stuff like that. So I do, I do remember the whole journey. Oh, fantastic. That's really lovely. I also think just to go back to what you said before about the sort of divine purpose mm. and things, like I'm really into all of that stuff. And I think it's really cool to hear somebody who's had such a variety of skills in your experience. So like you said, the office, the retail, the branding element of your music, the confidence, you know, in essence, when you're performing this public speaking element of it, et cetera. Of course, um, yeah. Understanding operations. Um, for me, instantly I'm thinking, those things are meant to happen for where, for where you are now. Do you believe in, you know, are you somebody that kind of thinks, oh, that stuff's nonsense, whatever it is, you know, you create your own look, or do you think actually, yeah, all of those things have really carved me to be the CEO I am today? Do you know what? I believe in luck to a certain capacity, but for me, it's always a thing of where preparation meets opportunity. Mm-hmm. And just kind of just looking back, everything that I've been through in life, everything that I've seen, everything that I've done, has all added to who I am today and Mm -hmm. that has been a part of what I'm doing now and you know the beauty of understanding that journey and learning from it you know makes me do what I'm doing now and learn from what I'm doing now to 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 take that onto another another part as well also I always believe in that there's a purpose of everything there's a reason of why you meet people there's a reason of why you you are in certain positions or you're in a certain place in life there's a reason for for everything but it's just down to the individual to really open their eyes their mind and their heart to see how much reason within their life that is love it yeah Yeah. music to my ears that love that (laughs) so in terms of running a family business I'm really intrigued about how do you separate the two the family and the business (laughs) please please give us some, some Tips. We need help, babe. We're struggling, and it's just two of us. <laughs> do, you, do you know what? It's it's not easy. It's not easy at all. And um, yeah, it's it it comes with its challenges. It's always going to be very challenging. And even today, I was just kind of thinking to myself, like how the journey's been so far, and you know, just kind of looking back at just being involved with family and business. It's it's. It's personal mixed. It's personal mixed with business, and those two sometimes are the, one of the most hardest things to mix. And but the thing is, is that it being family, there is a there's an element of emotion. 
a business, you can't really attach emotion to it. It has to be black and white in a certain capacity because it is just business. But when you're mixing the two, especially for me as well, because of the transition of coming into the business where my parents have seen it and built it to a certain capacity, they didn't really see the vision that I had. And for me to, to you know, especially in Af- with African parents, like when they have their mindset on something, <laughs> there is no changing that. And if you are changing that, there are so many cultural cultural things that you have that people need to understand that it's seen as a sign of disrespect. Yeah. You, you know, you don't, you, you know, respecting the elders is something that you don't do. Like it, there's, there's so much behind it, but I'm a true believer in, in my ability, in who I am. And even if it doesn't work or goes the way that I want it to go, I never see it as I've lost anything. I always see that I will learn from it. So it's, it's in life for me, it's either you win or you learn, you never really lose. So yeah, it was, it, it's, it's difficult. It's not easy. It's not easy. But I mean, you, there's good parts to it. You know, sometimes when my mom comes to the office, she'll bring jollof rice that she's made on a Sunday. <laughs> and, and that's lunch sorted. Like, you know Enough I mean? said. <laughs> so, and, you know, just sharing the journey with family as well is, is amazing. And I think sometimes it can be easily taken for granted because yeah. with family being there, it's, those are the people you can trust you know the most and in business it's difficult because with business when you're dealing with money when you're dealing with people's well-beings and stuff and you have staff and everything like that it becomes a bit more complicated so like everything it comes with its challenges but you just have to just rise above it all and do you think with the brand and the journey it's there's, there's some real beautiful sort of traditional roots to it all and I think that's almost just as paramount as the product as well I think this is so important and then we're now in a, an age where it's quite digital and fast-paced and reactive how do you yeah. navigate in that world how do you take such a beautiful traditional ideal and sort of make sure that it's accepted and it's sort of understood shall we say from the elders and then sort of show the right path and sort of the digital fast stage as well I mean, when you when you look at how business is now and how people engage with business, is is now people are not buying into just brands; they're buying into people. So, presenting yourself as a business is not just okay. You have a product, come and buy. It's what is your backstory? Why? What? Why did you come to this point of creating this product? That personal touch that you add to it is what creates a kind of community for people to buy into of what you're doing. So I've always known that I noticed that from before, especially in music, because in music, you're putting your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions into a song that people can connect with. And the more you do that, the more people that are gonna connect with it. So it's just, I think it's the same for me. I felt it was the same with, with business and branding that the more you put into connecting with the audience you have or potential audience that you wanna connect with, the more chance you have of growing that brand or the products that you're putting out there or even a service that you are providing. So yeah, this, the, the journey in that was quite interesting in, in doing that. I bet totally. Um, so our dad has got his own like business and stuff. And I think even 
just the historics of just you know getting computers back in the day to you know digital you know social media and the power the power of social media what do you put on social media that kind of thing it's I think it's quite unknown because I think sometimes I think well especially myself like you know I've grown up in an age probably you guys as well where it was like you have diaries you kept everything secret you don't show as much and then the mentality now is like you show everything it's quite yeah it's quite yeah. alien isn't it but I 100% is. see it people buy from people and I think like you say that this kind of personal branding of the family mm. or of of the you know the, the owners of the business etc it's just as important isn't it as the product so yeah I think we've done it really yeah. really well and I mean as well also with the fact that the old we've got a lot of customers that bought from us from many years ago and that was before social media was even a thing that was before even the internet was really a thing um, and, and all of those people, the reason why they bought into it is because they were getting, you know, one of our kind of slogans now is having um, a taste of Africa and having a home away from home experience. So that's what people were buying into because they couldn't get it, what they were used to from back home because they had, everyone had traveled from either being Ghana, Nigeria, you know, the Caribbean to the UK and didn't have, a, you know, what they were used to. So that's what kind of grew the brand in, in that kind of era now. And a lot of those people also have kids. They have family members and stuff that were also, you know, enjoying the product. So now there is a lot of nostalgia. So being able to share that with this current generation in terms of social media is, was a way of connecting the old and the new together. Um, and that was the kind of plan and ideology behind how the connection was was made and I think just refining the story making sure that it was understood and, and, and people understood exactly what the culture was what the roots were and how exactly we were presenting ourselves as a business and why was taking us from where we, it first kind of started to and where it is now was essential in terms of that connection also so it also bridges the gap between the old and the young to have a conversation about oh you know I remember when you know, I used to go with you to the shop and go and buy some buffalo or some some sweet bread and, you know, you wouldn't give me some or something like that. Like, so people always have a, a certain story that they can they can discuss. And I think the the brand in itself has that and sits as kind of benchmark between the old and the new. And now with the digital age, everyone's on their phones, everyone's on laptops, computers. So, again, it's it's embracing that. And being in London as well for the business, we're in such a diverse country that people want to see and try new things. Mm -hmm. So now it's about transcending that story and the branding across all diverse backgrounds, basically, and, and you know, sharing our story as much as possible so that people are able to access what we do. And social media is the greatest place to do it. You can, you can share your story with even someone in China if you wanted to, and they would see it straight away. And that's the beauty of, of online and the digital age is that the the gap of finding, you know, potential new customers or someone that's never, ever heard of your brand is far more easier than it was back in the day. Don't need a super massive marketing budget to to go and to access that crowd of people. It's all literally in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that element of like different cultures experience. I've never thought of it that way, you know, because I kind of see it as ours. <laughs> it's not so <laughs> silly. Um, but you're absolutely right. I have, you know, friends and, you know, we have, especially with Black History Month, we were sharing loads of stories and things like that at work. So people were asking lots of questions. And a lot of that stuff was, you know, about food. And, you know, I think a lot of the times they 
a lot of um, allies or a lot of, you know, people may have thought of just the stereotypical, like you said, maybe jollof and chicken and, you know, mm. rice and pea for the Jamaican culture, etc. But this is element yeah. of there's so much of our culture that you have even sampled yet, you know. So that that's yeah. so exciting to tap into that market. That's wicked. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think also with that, it's like, it's, it's very important that, especially with, again, with Black people, there is a stigma attached that, we don't do things properly to a certain capacity. And mm -hmm. it's just about now changing that perception and presenting brands and, you know, companies and, and everyone to, to present things also in a way that, you know, we, everyone can feel comfortable and access it. Um, not changing your, your whole identity, but just making sure that you're aware. And once you know your purpose within business as well, and you know exactly how you want to function within that whole spectrum, then you're able to kind of grow it to that capacity. Hey man, I love hearing that. Yeah. I love hearing that. Mm. I really love all that you've said. So just picking up things in terms of, you were saying that people buy from people and I don't know if it's yeah. that your stories become more visible now or it's more accessible because of the digital age that we're in. But it, is, it was great to find out that there is an actual Uncle John. Obviously, your dad is John. And, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? It's not just like a, a random yeah, name. True. It has meaning. And hearing about the influences of both your grandmas as well. I mean, that's so strong and yeah. powerful. So your paternal grandma, Nana Mary, who that's her sweetbread recipe, your secret family sweetbread recipe. But then your maternal grandma who was here also called mary who yeah. was very instrumental in terms of the you know with the baking at night expanding the range to all other baked goods mm. it's just it's lovely and just to know it's a proper family enterprise on both sides and that's really lovely to yeah. see but then yeah. kind of foresight in trying to think you know it's not just for people of African or Caribbean heritage, other people might want to sample in the same way that, you know, it's really commonplace for British people to go for an Indian or a Chinese and, and to be yeah. aware of certain foods within that. I mean, it might be, you know, obviously there's a it's very anglicized what, what we have here compared to when you go to the country of origin and sample and think, oh my gosh, it is quite different. But yeah, you know, that, I think that's really kind of forward thinking to try and, you know, encourage people outside the culture to some because it's good it's great stuff and I just it's so it's such yeah. an honor to be speaking to you and seeing that I'm you know I do recall we grew up just outside of Hull and we we do okay. have your products in shops there now but when we were growing yeah. up we would it would be trips to Leeds or Manchester where we would be able to be able to access your your produce and then yeah it's, it's, it's just to get a bit of insight into how that's come about is amazing yeah, and I mean, even now for us, it's been is a thing of where, you know, we facilitate a lot of stores around the UK, and the next model was now like really getting into the digital age of what we do and how things are in the moment. So now, basically, being able to go to directly to consumers that they can go online and order yeah. our stuff, mm -hmm. and it comes straight to their homes, to their doorstep, with and they can pick what they want. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm and receive it pretty much the next day is something that I concentrated on from before. And it's, you know, now it's, it's, um, it's coming to, into fruition and it's, mm. it's um, available. So that's, that's that amazing. for me was also really important in terms of doing that because people now, they, they, they want the choice yeah. more than ever before. Um, and with the pandemic, it's just made it much more harder for people to go out and experience as much. So, the experience is online so how can you bring that experience to their home and that's what birthed that that idea of that as well 
That's wicked. Yeah. It's so cool. Like even the t- you know, it sounds really strange. Even the title CEO sounds absolutely boss anyway. But the fact that you were able <laughs> to make um, those kind of like instrumental changes to what already is a mm. multi generational business empire it's just amazing like that is legacy in itself isn't it that's so cool yeah thank you and it's such an example for our community to see it as you were saying uh, I think quite early on in our conversation about just setting setting the example um, about Mm. having a multi-generational business and and it's not to take out other opportunities that people go into, but I just wondered, do, do, do you, was this part of your parents talked about? Was this part of their initial vision for what they were doing? Was it were they thinking that this is how we're going to create, you know, start the seed of generational wealth? I don't think so, to be honest. I think it was just more just to do with just sustainability, really, yeah. and just just basically being able to feed the family. That's where it started off being, and then as it kind of grows and grew I think for them it was just yeah it was just it was just sustaining and making sure that you know just trying to produce be consistent and and provide quality all the time and you know with doing that I think now we're in a day and age where everything's so fast so people don't really tend to look at growth or have any form of really delayed gratification in terms of building and I think for me seeing the process of delayed gratification with the business it was one difficult but two also very inspiring for me as well so I think for me that's why I always believe in you know if you're going to start something think about the long term rather than the short term because Mm -hmm. you ideally want it to stand the test of time to a certain capacity and it all just depends on individual purpose as well with it sometimes you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring but I think as, as long as your intentions are to to sustain it as best as possible and to you know create consistency and to create quality you know it should kind of go the way you want it to um but again it comes with its challenges um like it did for my parents and there was a lot of challenges there's a lot of times that like they were literally going to be like hey this is it i'm not doing this anymore and yeah just to think back on it 25 years later it's still here it's still you know thriving it's still pushing forward mm. and we're still kind of growing the business so when I kind of face kind of difficult hurdles within the business, I always kind of just think back to, well, they went through difficult times also. So for me, it shouldn't really be anything any different. And it's just a matter of having as much resilience as possible. And um, yeah, just staying focused on the long-term plan. They'll be so proud of you. They totally will. Yeah, no, they are. They definitely are. Yeah. So are they still involved with their business or have they retired now? I mean... I don't think they'll fully ever, ever retire from the business because it's just like, it's, it's part of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, the business has definitely kind of outgrown the way that they used to do it to a certain capacity. So yeah, they have, they've got a lot of catching up to do as well with how things are. But, you know, they do very well, especially my mum. She does really well with understanding the systems, understanding how things are, the rules and regulations that are in place of the, how the company is run and stuff like that. She, she does really well with it. And even though, you know, we we butt heads sometimes because I can be very, very strict with certain things. And she's obviously like, well, you're my son. I can tell you what I want. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> so for me, <laughs> yes, but it's like, I I, um, I always try and give a, a reason behind what the, the, um, the why. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and you know it's not just it's not because of me this is i'm 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 not exempt from what is what we're what we're do, trying to do everybody's included and everyone mm-hmm. must try to adhere to it as much as possible if we're going to set a tone and a set a certain standard so yeah they um they're they i would say they're definitely they're in but they're out at the same time they don't um, need to and, come there every day <laughs> <laughs> and do you obviously pre-covid time did you get a chance to go back to ghana much or did, do your parents get a chance to travel now that they're not as needed as much in the day-to-day operations yeah i mean throughout the whole actual whole covid they were actually in ghana for about oh, wow. eight months because they couldn't they couldn't come back and during that time obviously there was a lot of changes in the business as well for me i kind of just kind of get on with it also anyway and at the moment my mum's she came back but she's gone back again so oh, I think bless her. she's living the dream isn't she a proper queen <laughs> yeah she's, she's she's enjoying but yeah I've, I've been to Ghana I went I was there last 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 year early last year mid last year actually I was there there's been talks of us looking to open up a branch over there wow. I mean I think it's something that a lot of people are ex- kind of expecting us to do but I think for me it's all about doing it right and sit in a certain presence and tone in doing it. So I'm kind of like just taking my time around the idea of doing that. But yeah, I go back to Ghana when I can. Yeah, just to go and enjoy the Kelewele and, and um, Ghanaian Fanta. <laughs> when I can. Oh, Ghanaian, so tell sugar. us about it. Because we, we're, we're of Ghanaian heritage as well. And um, okay. yeah, Fanta Lemon, we experienced that in Ghana before it came over here. And when it came over here, yeah. it's like, how disappointed? Because it's just not the same at all. That's <laughs> <laughs> a lack of sugar. But um, uh, yeah. Oh no, it's great. Um, that's kind of leading to my next question. Like, what's next for your your business, your enterprise, your empire? I mean, for us now, it's just about it's just all about sustainability. You know, we do what we do, we do it well. So it's just a matter of sustaining that and giving the quality and the consistency as time kind of goes on. Obviously, the next phase of the business has been going digital and basically going into people's homes where we can be direct to consumer and building on that. So you know, increasing our product range of that and giving more accessibility to customers as well. Just looking at product development as also making more products that are a bit more on the, you know, the health aspects and just refining things within the within the products as well is something that um, we're looking at as well at, at the time. I think that for me is is kind of like the major aspects of the business because I, I do other stuff now alongside the business. So I try to abide my time very 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 um equally as as much as possible but it is difficult because with a lot of the changes that's happened inside the business i can't expect everyone to get it just like that so there is a lot of me having to you know having the patience to explain and explain and explain again but at the same time giving people not being not micromanaging people too much and and let them you know kind of see how it's done and potentially make small mistakes here and there for them to learn from as well very important but yeah yeah that's what I would say in regards to the business and that's what the plans are for the foreseeable future anyway as well as I've got other ventures that I've I've gone into as well so just building on that and uh, yeah and growing that as well is, is where my focus is. So you've, you've got so many sort of strings to your bow and mm. you have to relax, you have to fit in some sort of mindfulness for yourself as well. How do you, what do you do to relax? I'm, I'm assuming there's obviously sports you've mentioned before and music, but you know, how yeah. would you say that you relax and how important is that to you to fit into your schedule? I mean, 
Do you know, it's funny because people say to me that I'm, I can, I can just literally work, 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 work. My brain is almost sometimes like a machine. But I've also realized as I'm, as I'm getting older and um, as I'm just kind of looking at my own well-being, it is important to take a break, not just for the sake of physically, but mentally, because you, you, you can't keep, you can't, you can't drive a car at the highest speed and not expect the fuel to run out. The fuel will run out. So it's better to, you know, just do it in, in parts and motions and, you know, know that when you need to have a stop, to refuel and kind of go again is, is really important. So for me, it's just like when I get a chance to and, 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 you know, do stuff outside of work, it would be like, I like to play football. So I'm part of a team that, you know, I play, I play there and use that as part of my fitness. And I guess just like listening to music, just the kind of usual stuff, really, like if I can, I'll travel. I like to experience just different, different cultures, different parts of the world as also just to kind of grow my mind and understand how things work in a different capacity and I think a lot of the time when I do have kind of stresses or when I have worries or anything like that for me I put it a lot through God like that for me is like my release and once I know I've, I've been able to do that at the end of the day each day the next day is, is fine for me just to kind of continue so mentally I don't really tend to drain myself as much even though things are at such a high capacity yeah, that sounds nice. It's, I asked the question because I think, especially you knowing your your parents, you know, hard work, effort, etc. A lot of the times they probably didn't have this element of mindfulness, you know, this this important because we that's that's education for our generation. Is that we've really been taught about you know mental health and you know yeah. um, I don't know wellness of the mind and things like that. It must have been a completely different time for them, but they still would have needed that that outlet as well it's bizarre to think that 25 years ago that that kind of stuff wasn't on their sort of main priority page but it's still equally as needed for them yeah yeah I mean I think in this day and age now the way the older generation would look at this generation would be like people make a lot of more, a lot more excuses and I think there is it, it can be a, it's a bit harsh in saying that but at the same time I think this generation we're exposed to so much more that we need outlets you do need an outlet whereas back in the older generations I can't speak for them but I just kind of feel like even though they had their hardships there was there was also less information flowing in for them to be consumed as well so the focus point would have been a bit more easier than it is now whereas now you have to purposely switch off from not watching the TV because there's certain things that are on there that is just very negative or social media where negativity is thrived upon a lot of the time and you know people tune into that you have to really and it's almost become part of normality is a necessary evil just like money is a necessary evil to a certain capacity and you know we it's, it's they, are, they are all tools that we can use to grow and build but at the same time those tools have a very very powerful ethic of destruction so yeah. I think in this day and age, social media is, is we, we have to be very mindful and because it's very in tuned into internally and people just do it in their own, in their own bubble and in their own space, having that mental, that mental space and that mental awareness is, is very important now than ever before. Yeah. yeah, I hear that. Yeah, well, I guess there are different challenges in different generations aren't they and I, I can't underestimate or couldn't even begin to imagine what it must be like for your parents and ours to migrate mm. away from 
everyone they knew they everything they know everyone they they uh, everything they knew, knew to be true to a country that you know isn't always welcoming you have to adapt or the way mm. to become be, the way to become accepted is somehow to lose some of yourself to lose some of your identity or um yeah. maybe not be as loud and proud as where we have the privilege to do so now. And I just wonder, do you recall what your parents said if there've been any kind of barriers to their progress in, in terms of developing their business and brand? Because it's a product that, as we would, said earlier, it's for us, by us, but it's not just for us, it's for everybody. But I guess yeah. one of the difficulties getting stockists and I think because a lot of the shops we buy from are not actually necessarily owned by black people. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the hardest things is definitely for for them at the time was was just the fact of branching the business out and getting access to more people. And I think it all started from it being, you know, it's by them for us kind of, you know, in terms of a community and a culture, just because it was something that they missed out on not having. It's almost like that bit of home that they couldn't really, you know, find. Mm -hmm. So for them having it here was something that a lot of people especially from the older generation had a connection to and I guess yeah it's, it's it's not easy because you're doing it on new land new territory you have to understand the legislations the rules everything that is involved in doing it even when you are setting pricing points you know they're setting up a business in that era where not everyone has a you know top tier job you know, they have to they have to start from a certain position where not as much money was coming in because there were institutions that were not going to give us and or that generation as well the, the best positions or good positions, even if they were educated to a good level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the so the buying power within that kind of time was less. So people didn't want to spend the money as much. So even for the business, trying to 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 find out a decent margin where the business can make money as well as you know sustain and pay his suppliers and stuff like that it was difficult it was really difficult um but again I, I always kind of say like you you have to kind of just try and persevere through and drive through and and keep going again you never really lose you either win or you learn and that for me is kind of like something that I kind of really try and always tell myself anytime there's any form of difficulty um, going forward I love that. Amen to that. Love that. You're either winner, you learn. Love that. Yeah. So the um, it's about that time of the day where we ask the melanin magic question, which is, what are your hopes and dreams for Black British culture in the next five to ten years, and do you have any insights on how we're going to get there? I mean, one there's a key word that kind of sticks to me within Black culture as well within the UK is, is innovation. Um, that for me is going to be the biggest thing is what's going to take us and take you know everyone to a level where we are widely accepted but in terms of being widely accepted it's not just being accepted for the sake of being accepted it's more about us understanding the power of community as well um, which is very important us understanding the fact that you know if we want businesses to succeed as much as possible we buy from within um, as much as possible um because that cycle of of um of money and and infrastructure works continuously so if i if for instance if i did a a hair company and then there is another black owned shop that is a stockist 
and then there is a customer also that wants to buy, buy that particular product that already is a cycle mm. if you also if you're someone that imports or does raw materials for those specific products again that's another part of the cycle if you're someone that produces the plastics for or sustainable packaging for that particular um, company that's part of the cycle so it's us under, it's just understanding how to be part of a cycle to sustain and to build moving forward which is that's what is going to change things i feel like growing up there has been a lot of individualism to a certain capacity and people feeling feeling kind of like they can't trust each other but i just kind of feel like that's just something that's been put into our minds and you know systematically being pushed on us over the years so i think it's just kind of getting out of that mindset and really just looking forward in terms of how we can work together to build a better future and uh, you know we don't know what tomorrow's going to look like but as long as we prepare as much as possible and build as much as possible when the opportunity comes we'll be able to 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 maximize that to the to the best of our abilities so yeah that's what i would that's what i would say love 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 yeah. it oh my god i've just sat here nodding away <laughs> um the, the thing that i love is this element of that cycle you, you broke that down perfectly and i think it comes with this element of research and what that's the one thing i'll a big take home for me in 2020 is I really tried to be intentional about getting involved with this cycle and buying from black owned and mm. with it comes time and the attention to research and not just going for the quick win, but thinking how am I genuinely going to support the black economy? And it's, it is mm. like you say, you want to be part of the cycle, but you've got to put the time in and research, haven't you? Yeah, of course. And I think also just in the fact of like looking at these big institutions, like, like the, the massive supermarkets and stuff like that, like, they are also sometimes uneducated in terms of how maybe they can include our products. And, mm -hmm. you know, for us even getting into Morrison's, the conversation wasn't about, you know, we're just going to put you on the shelf. It was about, okay, what's the areas that you guys know that you will sell in potentially and how are we going to grow from there? So it was not just them just picking us because they thought it will just look good on the shelf or because we have got a certain track record of the product selling to a certain capacity. It was just more about, how can we help you help us understand and how can you know us as a company help them understand how to also broaden that because going to a supermarket you're getting products from so many different cultures yeah anyway it's just people just need to understand you know how that is presented how it's accessible and you know a, a background about the product and you know what it does and how you can eat it and i think all of that is important information to how to educate the market is very very important so you know, it, I think it's wrong to alienate these the, the massive establishments and and the, and commercialized companies to a certain capacity. We also need to work with them in order to, for them to understand exactly how to present our products on their shelves in their spaces um, going forward, which is very key. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. amazing, brilliant. Oh, thank you. We always like to give our guests the opportunity to inform our listeners how they can get in touch with you through kind of whatever social media handles. So are you happy to share those with us, please? Yeah, sure. I mean, people can find me. I've got my, the the bakery handle, which is Uncle John's Bakery. You know, you can always come on there and look at the fine artwork of stuff that we put on there and images of the baked goods and, you know, where to order it from. That is on there also. I've also got my personal Instagram, which is SMX UK. And yeah, like on that, I just, you know, always tend to just put up stuff in terms of like, 
part of my journey, motivational stuff. And just kind of like just share a lot of positivity as well, because I feel like the internet is a very dark place. And, you know, trying to shine a positive light is probably even harder than putting, well, it definitely is harder than putting negative stuff. So I try and make sure that I try and keep it as positive as possible and just, just be as authentic as I can be. And I'm always open to, to talking to people and sharing, you know, ideas and, and, and just talking about, you know, if it's someone on their entrepreneurial journey, someone in terms of mindset, which leads on to the reason why me and my friends created a podcast called mm-hmm. the End Goal Podcast. Now with that podcast, we just talk about business entrepreneurship and, and things in between it being to do with, you know, the struggles that we face. So, the, the adversities within the industries that we are in and how we kind of manage past that. And, you know, I always say this is like, we are not, we don't know everything, but we are still on a journey and we are at a certain point. And I've always believed that the more knowledge that you're able to share, you don't know how much that knowledge can change someone's life, mm-hmm. um, you know, more than, than we think. So that's why we kind of started that kind of platform to, to do that. So that is, also on Instagram, which is the End Goal Podcast also. Amazing. Thank you. Well, thank you yeah. so much for joining us, Daniel. It's been an absolute honour. We're big fans, as you can tell. We haven't stopped thank smiling. <laughs> <laughs> but that is it for today. I know our listeners would have taken so much from today, so thank you so much for being so raw and honest with us. Thanks to our listeners as well for joining. We will see you next time.